Let someone shout a big hallelujah this evening. Oh, we could do better than that. Let someone shout a loud hallelujah this evening. Amen. Let's put um, Isaiah up there. Can we rise and take our confession? The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Today I'm going to be talking, oh, before I talk, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because we know you are here, and we ask, Lord, that you speak this evening. I hide behind you, and I ask that you use me to say everything you need to be heard by your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I do not have a cold, so if I sniff, excuse me. But today I want to talk about a topic I've titled, Let Us Rise and Build. In the spirit of full disclosure, I must say this isn't something I wanted to preach. I went around it a million times, but I felt the Lord just, he kept pulling me very gently back to this topic And I want to share it, and I believe that someone will be blessed tonight by it. I don't know who, but I pray that you just listen and you allow the Lord to speak to you. So in the last few years, we've had a lot of things that have devastated the world, true or false. I mean, it's been one thing to the other thing to the other thing to the other thing. Last year, it was COVID. The whole world... Every single person was affected. Even if you didn't get COVID, you know someone who got COVID. Even if you don't know someone who got COVID, well, you stayed at home for a couple of months. Every single person, and I'm not just talking in the United States of America, I'm talking the entire world was affected by COVID. And it seems that that was just the beginning of, what would I call it, tribulations. Because Jesus said, we're in the last days, we're like, oh, there's an entire pandemic. And the Lord is like, "Uh, wait, there's more to come. But he said, be of good cheer. Don't worry. I have overcome already. But there will still be all of these troubles. Amen? So these storms and earthquakes and rattlings and all of these things are constant. We can't pray our way out of them. We must go through them. We can't, I mean, it is a constant thing that there will be trouble. Amen? But what heaven is looking out for is not necessarily the storm, but your attitude during the storm and your attitude after the storm. It's not necessarily how hard it's raining, but what are you doing when it's raining? And then what will you do when the rain stops? Amen? So, COVID happened, and then we were trying to get our head a little above water, and then our pastor went home to be with the Lord. And it's so easy, people, I tell you, because this is me every other day, it's so easy to sit down and fold our arms and say, well, it has happened, that's it, let's be sad, or people no more go to church, COVID has happened, everyone watches online, 
that's just the way it is. It's the way it is. Sadly, Christians don't want to fellowship anymore. And we just fold our arms in despair and do nothing. But see, that's not what God wants from us. God expects more. Can someone say more? Oh, say it like you mean it, people. Can someone say more? God expects more. Heaven, it's like, well, I hate boxing, by the way. But every once in a while, I see, you know, see it on the TV, boxing matches. And then they give one of the opponents, like, a knockout. I call it a blow. I don't know, whatever it is. And the person falls down. But you see the coach in the, in the corner. He doesn't say, oops, he's down. Well, too bad. Game over. What does he do? He keeps cheering. Get up, get up. You can do it. Get up, get up. Well, people of God, heaven is cheering, telling us, get up, get up. You can do it. Don't sit down and fold your hands in despair. Those days are over. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 16. It's about a guy called Gideon. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide grain from the Midianites. This is a very interesting story, people. You need to read it when you get home. Next verse, please. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Now remember, he was hiding somewhere. Let's go on. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, and I know some of us are asking this, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Let's go on. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Let's go on. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. You know, Manasseh is kind of like half a tribe anyways. And I am the least in my entire family. Listen to what God said. God said, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So Gideon, like the rest of us, faced a shaking. He was just a regular guy. But look what God told him in verse 14. He said, go in your strength. You see, God didn't tell him, come, let me give you strength. God told him, go with the strength you have. And after that, God told him, go, because I'm going with you. I'm backing you up. To every, if you look through the Bible, almost everyone God has used, he has always required something of them, and that is action. Can you say action? I'm talking about let us rise and build. You need to know that every time God wants us to build, we must first of all rise. We cannot sit and build. God told Gideon, go first. Let's look at some things that have happened in the Bible. Let's look at the Israelites on the Jordan. God told them, step into the Jordan and it will part. God told Moses, stretch out your rod and the Red Sea will part. God told, um, um, the prophet told, who was it now? Naaman, go into the Jordan and dip seven times. 
Jesus told that man, take up your bed. Jesus told the, the people at the wedding party, fill up these jars with water. Every time God wants to move, he requires action. Can someone say action? You see, but sometimes we're waiting and saying, God, we're waiting on you. Mama, do you remember this? You preached this sermon in Nigeria one time. I think it was like 2017 or something. And she did this. She was like, God is here. We are here saying, Lord, I'm waiting on you. And God is here saying, Noja, I'm waiting on you. And God is saying that to all of us. Oh, gee, Daniel, I'm waiting on you. We need to take action. Can someone say action? Before we rise up and build, we must know three things. One, you have been chosen. Two, you have been equipped. And three, God is with you. You have been chosen. You have been equipped. And God is with you. And if God is with you, who can be against you? Oh, you need to say that louder. If God is with you, who can be against you? The harvest is plenty. In John chapter 9 verse 4, I'm talking about rising up to build. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. We must have a sense of urgency to build. It will soon be nighttime, people. At some point, we won't be able to do this anymore. After some time, the night, day always ends and night comes. We need to develop a sense of urgency. There is no time to check the time. I actually heard that from a kid and I thought it was very cool. There is no time to waste. There is no time to check the time. There is no time. We must have that sense of urgency to build. Nehemiah, he was an ordinary guy. He, I don't know, well, I know he, I don't know his educational background, but I I know he wasn't like a pastor, he wasn't like a politician, he wasn't a lawyer, he was a cup bearer, like literally a servant. He wasn't all that great, he wasn't all that special. Please, when you go home, I want you to read Nehemiah chapter 2 and see how God used that man to transform an entire nation. God is not looking for competence. God is looking for availability. He really doesn't care if you think you can or if you think you cannot. All he wants is, are you available? Are you ready to be used? It doesn't matter if your English is great or your English is horrible. Actually, it doesn't matter if you can speak English or you can't speak English. The things that matter to us as human beings matter very little to God. God is just looking for people to use. He is looking who is available, who will rise up, who will build, who, who, who. And God is looking down on us, the Ark Fellowship. And it's the same question he's asking us, who is ready? Who is available? You see, because spirits, they have no legal ground here on earth. God gave this world to man. And God is a spirit. And the devil too is a spirit. But you see, man, you are a spirit and you have a body. So you have this earth. 
Anytime a spirit wants to move on earth, they must use a body. So when the enemy wants to move here, he looks for people to use. He looks for people to manipulate. He looks for people to enter. And that's why you see, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to praise the devil, but he's a really strategic guy. He really plans well. And so he uses his people and you look and you say, oh my God, all these people, they sing half naked on TV. They're promoting drugs and violence and alcohol and just a small group of people are making normal people look abnormal. Isn't that ridiculous? You see, the people who have given themselves over to the devil, he, they allow him to use them very well. They give themselves fully. I would sing all the sexy songs and dance and drag people to immorality as much as I can. They give, I will do, I will, and I will influence the media. I will do this. They give themselves over fully. But then on the other side, there is us. I'm not saying we don't give ourselves. I'm actually saying we don't give ourselves fully. You know, we, we have our own agenda. You know, our plans are, God, I mean, I, I understand, but I really, really didn't plan for this today. You know, and because God is not the devil, we just feel, ah, oh, he understands. It's okay. We're kind of busy. Really, really busy. We have a, oh, this is one. I have a lot going on. I have a whole lot going on. You don't even want to know what's on my plate. But God is looking and saying, as he said in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Let's open them. Please mark this in your Bible. When I read it today, it jumped up at me. And I felt the Lord saying this to me. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Who will rise up and build? Who will put their hands on the plow and not turn back? Then I said, here I am. Send me. God is asking us today, who? Who is available? Who is ready to build? Who is ready? Who is ready to rise up? Can we all lift our hands if you believe it and say, here I am, Lord. Say it loud. Here I am, Lord. Send me. You know what? Why don't we just bow our heads and for 30 seconds tell God, wherever you send me, it's a yes. My answer to you will always be a yes. Whatever you tell me to do, my answer will always be. I need you to recommit to him. Let him know that this is what you're going to do. My answer will always be yes to whatever you say. Amen? Amen, people. What are we building? We say, let us rise and build. What are we building? There are many things we're building, but today I want to narrow it down to an altar of prayer. Because you can know many things, but if you don't understand how prayers work, it's very difficult to succeed as a Christian. I said it here one time that prayer is the supernatural key that unlocks spiritual mysteries and translates them into the physical. 
In chapter 1 of Nehemiah, before he started anything, he prayed. Before he did anything, he prayed. Before we can build an altar of prayer, first of all, let's understand what altars are. I don't know how many people have seen, I mean, I know in the United States it's not something we see very often, but if you've watched movies or whatever, you probably, I mean, if everybody watched these old movies about Abraham and Isaac, you probably have an idea what an altar looks like. An altar is a high place of spiritual activity. As a matter of fact, almost every spiritual activity that occurs happens on an altar. And not all altars are good. Most of them are evil. Every spiritual activity that occurs here happens on an altar. Before we understand what an altar, or how to build an altar of prayer, let us look at some characteristics of altars. The first one is, on every altar, there must be sacrifice. You don't see an empty altar. There has to be something on it. And I know our instant noodles, um, fast food generation has said, ah, whatever we offer to God is fine. It's a lie. It is not fine. If you doubt me, go ask Cain. You don't give God anything and get away with it. I, I know many people say, it's okay. God is loving God. He is. But he's also a consuming fire. He also, also makes out justice. He, he's not here to play. <laughs> Amen. He's, he, he is as loving as he is. That's how just he is too. We don't give him anything. It requires sacrifice. As we rise to build people of the Ark Fellowship, your prayers must cost you something. If you are not sacrificing something in, on the altar of prayer, I'm here to challenge you to check again and see what can I drop on my altar of prayer. And I, I'm not saying it has to be, and it, it just has, it, it's, it's not a general sacrifice. It's personal. My sacrifice may be very different from yours. All I know is there has to be sacrifice on that altar. You can sacrifice, if you were praying 10 minutes before, it's time to sacrifice more and put in more time. Let me tell you some things that you can sacrifice on your altar. Number one is your time. And that's never fun to give up. Let me tell you another one, and I don't throw your shoes at me. Your family. The time you spend with your children. The time you spend with your brothers and sisters. The time you spend with your spouse. Sometimes you have to sacrifice it on that altar. We cannot build an altar that costs nothing. You know, the Bible says, before any man builds a house... Let him first of all count the cost. Before we say, let us rise and build, let us sit down and say, what does it cost us to build? It's going to cost you your sweat. It's going to cost you your convenience. Ask the people who come at 6 a.m. for prayers if they'll rather not be sleeping in bed. It's going to cost you something. How willing are you to give that thing up? Sometimes that sacrifice is you. Sometimes it will cost you, you. To build an altar that is acceptable to God, 
it's not child's play. I remember, and it's, it's interesting how the Lord made me um, preach this sermon today of all days. But, um, and this was something that came to my mind today while I was praying. Today, four years ago, I lost someone really close to me, my uncle. And this week had been kind of a Blair week. I wasn't feeling well. I was all up in my feelings, just all of that. And today was now the 40th. So, anywho's, and as I was just, I told Pastor Mike, I told Daniel at about three, I really, honestly, I'm not feeling well. Or I'm feeling well in Jesus' name. But I wasn't feeling too great. And at about three o'clock, I'm like, ah. Oh, I don't think I can do today's, you know, sermon. I really don't feel great physically. I also don't feel great emotionally. And I went to Daniel and I'm like, I'm just going to have to call Pastor Mike. You know, he'll have to wing it. If you ask them in my house, I pretty much was walking like a zombie. This, I, don't, I don't think I passed my living room. I'm like, I can't. And Daniel's like, you really have to. And of course, I'm like, he doesn't even understand. I can't. So I went back to my room to pout for some time, hoping he'll come and beg me and say, okay, sorry, yeah, you could call Pastor Mike and he'll do it for you. He didn't. But anyways, that's not the point. The point is, while I was pouting all by myself and thinking, and I was, well, if you're close to me, you know that sometimes I can go really fast down my rabbit hole when I get started. So I started at the top and thinking, oh, I don't feel good, and then into how my emotions were all over the place, and losses I have faced, and I woke up to another loss this morning, and it was just And then I remember the Holy Spirit brought to my memory something that happened four years ago. On this day, four years ago, my uncle passed. But here's an interesting story. Before he did, my mom was here in L.A. And, you know, we were having prayer meetings in Nigeria. And then one of the women came and told me, she's like, I really need to talk to your mom because my best friend's husband is dying. His kidneys have packed up and nothing is working and they've given him a short time to leave. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll give you my mom's number in LA. But for some reason, they couldn't connect. And she's like, can I give the lady your number? I'm like, sure. She's like, you really need to pray. We had Noja. And this lady that was talking to me is like way older than me. She's like a granny to me. I'm like, no problem. I just give her my number. It's fine. Well, I waited day one, the lady didn't call. Day two, the lady didn't call. And I moved on with my jolly good life. And then on the 10th of November, 2017, we got a call that my uncle passed. He was involved in an accident, which was very ironic since he was a pilot. And I was just devastated. I was, I drove straight to church in Lagos and I lay on the altar and I I was just, I was broken in pieces. And won't you know it, a couple of minutes later, that lady called. And, my, and I just, if I could punch her through the phone, I would have. I was so mad. I'm like, seriously, is this the right time? So I kept, I wouldn't even let my phone ring. I'll swipe to cut it off. Again, I, and I kept swiping with all the anger and venom in me. <laughs> Poor lady. And then at some point, she didn't call for a while. And then like an hour later, I started again. And the Holy Spirit kept nudging me. Peak. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't even have anything to give. First of all, I'm not my mom. She needs like serious life-changing prayers. I am the least of the least. Second of all, I am, I'm, not in the, I'm not in the mood. I'm actually not even happy with you right now that my uncle passed. Pray for another person. 
But you know how persistent the Holy Spirit is? He kept pushing. And so I peeked. And I was, you know, after you've cried for a while, you're all hiccupy and sniffing. Kind of like how I sound today. And then the lady's like, hi, are you Noja? Okay, I'm right here in the hospital. And she goes on. And I was hoping she'll kind of tell from my voice that this is a very bad time. But she didn't. She continued. And I'm like, fine. She's like, can you pray? And I reached out and must, as into the deepest part of my spirit. Because very honestly, people of God, at that moment, I, I wasn't even sure God was with me. So I reached out to the deepest part and I prayed with her I can't even remember what it what I prayed about it probably was the shortest I'm sure she was expecting something interesting like fire fire but I kept texting I'm like oh she knows I'm not my mom whatever man I prayed I said bye-bye and I went back to crying well a week later this lady calls she doesn't of course I didn't pick again she calls her friend to say oh my god we got a miracle he he got revived and he's alive and and she was so excited. And at that point, you know, I, I, well, let me not say how I felt. But after I felt how I felt that I would not say, <laughs> I now realized, and I sat down and I thought, and I said, God, what if I didn't let you use me at that moment? What if I was so closed off to you? Would this have been the end? Would, would, is this how this would have ended? I, I, and this today, when I was again getting caught all up in my feelings, I felt the Holy Spirit just allow that story fly past my head again. It's four years now, and the man is still alive. And I said today, God, I'm tired physically, emotionally. Every, I mean, I feel like I've been run over. But if there is one person who is going to be saved because of me, I don't know if you guys remember the story Pastor Mike shared about the lady who needed $20. And that story stayed with me. She needed $20 to get out of an abusive relationship and go home. You know, I said earlier, God is looking for who's available. I know we're all going through stuff in our lives, in our families, with our jobs, with our finances. But God is still looking for who's available. You may have lost your job and you have only $100 in your savings account or checking account. So it doesn't matter which one. It's still $100. And you're at the grocery store and the person behind you, is, it needs, God is telling you, give that person 20 bucks. And you're like, God, this is 100. I repeat, 100. And God is saying, give it to that person. But you know what? God won't even tell us if we're not sensitive to know he wants to move. If we're not looking with eyes that see. If we're not willing to sacrifice. That is what God is looking for. You want to build an altar of prayer? What is the sacrifice? You will have to sacrifice your emotions. You will have to sacrifice your convenience. I love, I tell my husband a lot. I'm like, I came to life to enjoy I didn't come to life to stress myself at all. My physique doesn't go with stress. <laughs> but you see, God is looking for in season and out of season. He is looking for who is ready. He says, go, you say when. 
He's not looking for, oh gosh, I'll do that tomorrow. You know that person you really want me to pray with? Today is not a great day. I have a, my child's game today. God is looking for people who are movers. Amen? So I want you to ask yourself, what am I willing to sacrifice? Is it your time? Is it your convenience? Is it the time you spend just relaxing, your me time, your downtime, watching TV or just whatever? And God is saying, I don't want that. I want a me and you time. I need somebody to start interceding for this nation. I need somebody to start interceding for this church. I need someone to stand in the gap for my people. God is looking for that. Another thing that is on altars is fire. For every sacrifice, there's fire. I'm talking about let us rise up and build. And we're talking about building an altar of prayer. And I said, for your altar of prayer must have sacrifice and it must have fire. Let's turn to 1 Kings 18.24. 1 Kings 18.24. Because it cannot be an altar if there's no fire on it. Amen? Amen, people of God. Oh, you people know I like it when you all say amen really loud. Amen. First Kings 18.24. I'll just open it here. It talks about a great... Give me one moment to pull it up while they're trying to pull it up too. First Kings, I'm sorry. Okay, First Kings 18.24. So this was Elijah, and I know we, most of us know this story, but if you don't, please read it. So one interesting thing about coming to church is the stories you don't know, the things you don't know. Just write down the scripture and study at home. I know I'm talking to the choir. These are all church leaders. So for those of us online, please write down the scriptures and study at home. Eli, uh, 1 Kings 18.24, Elijah versus the priest of Baal. This is what Elijah told them. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. They needed fire to appear on the altar, and Elijah said, you call your God, I call my God, let's see whose fire appears. Well, we all know how that story ends. Fire came down when Elijah called on the name of God, amen? That fire is the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Ghost. He is the fire. Amen? We need God to baptize us with fire. Matthew 3.11 talks about this. We need God to baptize. Before we can build, we need to be on fire. There are three things fire will do. Fire does a lot of things, but I'll, I'll just share these ones very briefly. Fire will purify and consecrate us. Fire purifies. We are, the world we live in today is very dirty. There's a whole lot of nonsense. In short, sometimes I sit down and I say, God have mercy. I'm actually raising children in this world. Can the rapture take place already? And now I wish I was born in another century or whatever. But then anytime I say so, my mom says, it was bad then. And I'm like, I don't think it was as bad as now. It really is bad. Everywhere you go, it's darkness. Everywhere you go, it's dirty. The fire of the Holy Ghost is what will keep us pure. 
The fire of the Holy Ghost is what will purify us. We can't afford to be stained. I'm not putting on, I, I, I'm not putting on white today. But there was something my grandfather always used to say. He'll say, no matter how white your outfit is, if you put a stain, if you put ink on it, the white won't absorb the ink. It'll get stained. No matter how white, if you wear a shirt and it's really white, no matter how white it is, if I get ink and I splash on that shirt, it's going to get stained. The ink won't magically disappear because I'm wearing a white shirt. No matter how holy you are, sin is sin. Only the Holy Ghost can keep you. If you decide to mingle just a little bit, just it all starts with compromise. That's the splash of ink. It's not going to disappear because you are holy. The Holy Ghost is the only one that will purify. He's the only one that will consecrate us. Amen? Secondly, fire protects. We know when the children of Israel, were, they, they left Egypt and they were moving on the way to the Red Sea. The Lord sent a pillar of fire for their protection. Fire protects. Again, we live in an evil world. And the church of God needs to be protected. We haven't even got, and I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize, but we haven't even gotten to the last days yet where Christians in the United States are being killed. Because that's going to happen. The fire of the Holy Ghost is our only protection. We can ask the missionaries in China. We can ask the missionaries in, in other parts of the world. We can ask Christians in, in northern Nigeria. The fire of God is all we have. I was reading a book where they said, and it's an old book, where Christians, they were journeying. And they stopped to make camp. And robbers actually wanted to attack them. The robbers were following them like highwaymen and probably wild wild west god knows when they were following them from place to place you know after the third day the robbers came to meet them and told them every time you people put your camp we want to attack because we know you're sleeping we always see a wall of fire surrounding you we can't penetrate i mean what are you guys doing guess what happened at the end of that the robbers got converted and saved the fire of God is what will protect us. And lastly, that fire will shine. And the light, guess what the light will do? It will attract other people. The fire of God, if it's on our altar, it will attract. People would look, what is going on there? What is happening in the Ark Fellowship? I thought, I thought they said there was covid I mean, what is happening in the Ark Fellowship? Imagine all of us on fire. Imagine all of us burning. One man changed the nation of Israel. One person here can change the United States of America. And it's not going to be by Facebook. I'm sorry, I had to throw that in. It's not going to be by all of this. It's not going to be by complaining. And I know I do it a lot too. Oh my God, it's such a horrible one. What are they doing? What's wrong with everyone? That's not what will do nothing. If every, if you carry fire to your place of work, you carry fire, I carry fire and we move. 
if we carry fire and we stand here and we say we are building, my God, imagine the things that will happen. I'm here to challenge you, people of God. It is time for us to rise. It is time for us to take action. It is time for us to build. We can't sit down no more. We can't afford to sit down. Souls are passing. They are going to hell every second of the day. They are actually passing in front of us. Imagine when you walk into the grocery store. Imagine how many people you pass. And think about how many of them where they are going to spend eternity. Imagine if that person passing by you. That is the last chance they have before they go to hell. You can't afford to be focused on your bananas. We can't afford, imagine the person doing your nails. Imagine that is the last chance they have to hear about Jesus. Everywhere you go, I want us to start seeing souls. Stop seeing people and start seeing souls. Start looking, where is this person going? And it's not just by talking, it's also by praying. If we decide, God, I have, I spend 30 minutes every morning praying, or I spend an hour, I spend an hour, 30 minutes, whatever it is, I will take a chunk of it. That's my sacrifice. I will pray for salvation. Not just for my family, but for people I don't even know. We've all heard of the Azusa Street Revival, where people were just falling down in the streets, giving their lives to Jesus. Why? Prayers. Oh, you think that can happen in America? Can it happen? Uh, That sounded very unbelieving. (laughs) Can it happen? The God of yesterday, is he the God of now? What he did then, can he do it now? Do you think we can walk out in Cyprus and see people just on their knees, asking for God, asking for his move, wanting to know him? If we just decide to rise up and pray. If we rise up and build, our church will, it will bust at the seams. We'll have so many services, we'll actually have to turn people back. But it's us. It's up to us. God is God. And he has done what he needs to do. Now it's left to us to do what we need to do. I'm here to encourage you, people of God. Whatever you were doing, if you were the one being prayed for, it is time to pray for people. If you were the one needing deliverance, it's time to be a deliverer. Whatever it is you were doing before, it is time to readjust and build. You are the watchman sitting sitting on the wall. That's what God has put you at. You are watching. And what are you watching for? For souls. You are looking for souls. People are not coming to church. That's my responsibility. That's not the pastor's responsibility. That's my responsibility. People are not, people are, I I, I don't see people saved. That's my responsibility. We need this. That's my, if we all start saying it is up to me, things will happen fast. It's when we say, oh well, I'm not really over the women's ministry. That's actually Miss Shelley's job. So she'll have to call the ladies and pray with them and stuff. That's not really me. Thank you. Or I don't lead worship. What do you say you want? Oh, let me show you, Pastor Amy. When you know it is up to me, you need prayers. Miss Shelley is not here. Let me pray with you. 
You need healing? I will pray with you. As a matter of fact, let's start looking for people to pray with. Let's not wait for them to come with us. Let's start. Who needs prayers? Come. I remember the story of a man in Nigeria. Nobody knew him in the church he was. I don't know what church that was now. But he used to do, a, he, he gave himself a unique task. And that was a task of following up. If you ever stepped into that church one time, you could be very sure that man will call you, visit you, follow you up till you become a member. And he was a very poor person. But the pastor didn't even know that he, what was what he was doing. He will go visit, hi, you came to church, I am blah, 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 blah. And he will talk, and he will talk, and then you just follow him to church. And so one day, a man came to church, and he said he had something to say. And this is a real life story. And he was like, pastor, the Lord laid in my heart. And now this guy was very, very poor. He couldn't even afford a car. The Lord laid in my heart to give this brand new vehicle to a man in this church who follows people up. And the pastor's like, is it, it was like David all over again. Is it him? No. Is it the assistant pastor? No. How about that? No. How, who? I mean, I'm sure the pastor initially thought, maybe it's me. I mean, who? <laughs> I follow people up. I preach every Sunday. And the man is like, no. And so the pastor says, okay, I have to announce it up because I don't know who. So on Sunday, the pastor says, well, People of God, there's someone here who follows up people. Can, can you just, we, I, I have something for you. And everybody's like, oh, brother follow up, brother follow up. And the pastor's like, who is brother follow up? And they're pointing at this man. And the man is like, who, me? And then half the people in the church say, he brought us to church. The pastor didn't even know that. He brought, I came to church because of him. I came to church because of, and the entire there was a commotion. One pastor is like there, jaw down. All of you, I actually thought you guys were here because of my great preaching. You came to church because of this guy. And the pastor says, well, come forward. The guy didn't even know how much influence. And the, man of the, the, the visitor said, God laid in my heart that I should give you this brand new car to continue the work you're doing. That's what happens when you allow God use you. I mean, it may not be a brand new car. <laughs> it, could be, it could be anything, really. It could be anything. And I have seen God use people. At the, my very good friend, Kendra, she, I should, I, every time she shares the story, I get goosebumps. She, she shares the story of how she was very, not depressed, she was just all out. She went to church. Her church had just closed down. And she went to church. She started going to another church. And the Lord told her, say hey to that lady. And she's like, I don't know who that person is. And I'm new. People should be saying hey to me, by the way. But she sat down. And the Lord is like, say hey to that lady. So she's like, I don't know anybody. I don't even know. So she wrote a note. Hey, um, I just want to say, wish you a blessed Sunday and a great week. Something of the sort. And as she was walking, she slipped the note to the lady. And the lady took it. Well, the next Sunday, she decided to visit the church again. And the lady came after service and called her and told her, Ma'am, I don't know who you are, but I came to church that Sunday. That was going to be my last Sunday. I had planned to kill myself when I get home because I felt so alone. I felt 
forgotten and abandoned. And I planned this. I, I said, God, I'm just going after service. Immediately I get home, I'm going to kill myself. And then you, a total stranger, you gave me a note. When I got home, I kept reading and reading. And I felt, well, someone cares. And Kendra is there sobbing and crying and because she really didn't care. But she obeyed. She didn't know that person. She just obeyed. God is calling us. Look how many lives are hanging on your life. I wish God could open our eyes to see how many destinies are tied to your destiny. This world is not about you. It's about the people God wants to reach through you. He needs us to rise and move and build. It is time for us to get up and say, we are ready to build the Ark Fellowship. We are ready to rise. We are ready to evangelize. We are ready to do outreaches. We are ready to go. It doesn't matter where. We're going. Calvert, we're going. Nigeria, China, I mean anywhere we are going. Katie, Cyprus, Houston, downtown, we move. Are we ready, people of God? That's all God wants. A heart that is available. I want us to rise to our feet this evening. And I want us to do one thing before we leave. I want you, if you can walk around, however you can, but I want you to hold on to an empty seat near you. If you don't have one near you, you could cross over this way or that way. We have empty chairs everywhere. I want you to hold on to one or two or three, as many as you can. And I want you to begin to pray and prophesy on those seats. And tell God, I am ready to build and there will be fire here. This seat will be full. Someone will sit down here because of me. I am moving. Lord, we are ready to build the Ark Fellowship and the gates of hell will not prevail. We are ready to move. I want you to inconvenience yourself a little. Walk out of your seat a little bit. Touch another seat. Walk around if you can. If you're done praying over that one, move over to the next chair. Move over and just keep prophesying. Prophesying. These chairs will be full. We are ready to sacrifice our time. We are ready to sacrifice our convenience. We are ready for God's fire to fall here like never before. We are ready to move. We are ready. And as a result of our move, we will get increase. As a result of our move, we will get increase. Professor, you are the prophet talking. Prophesy on these chairs. Destinies are going to be changed on these chairs. Healings will happen on these seats. Salvation will happen here. Restoration will happen here. I need someone to move out of their comfort zone and prophesy. You don't know who you are praying over, but trust me, you are praying over someone. Tell God what you want. The person who sits on the seats will be saved. This person and their family will serve the Lord. The person who sits on this seat will go to heaven. The person who sits on this seat will be healed, will be restored, will be delivered. You are the prophet speaking. We shall have whatsoever we say. The Ark Fellowship, you are a city without walls. Nations will run into 
deliver you. You are a city set upon a hill. Nations will flow for salvation. Nations will flow for restoration. Nations will flow for deliverance. Nations will flow for healing. Nations will flow for abundance. The Ark Fellowship, we open your doors for nations to flow. We open your doors for people to come in of all cultures, of all races. We open your doors for salvation to happen here. The Ark Fellowship belongs to Jesus. We will rise and build. We will rise and build and the gates of hell will never prevail. We believe this in Jesus' name. And the people of God